Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Wednesday, July the 20th, 2022. It is currently 1131 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas, where I'm about to move my microphone... There we go. I think is did, did that make too much of a, of a racket? I'm sorry. I've got to fix everything. The microphone was about to fall over. So I apologize. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for a do-over. All right. Take number two. Good morning, everyone. Welcome, everyone. It is Wednesday, July the 20th, 2022. It is currently 1131 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas, where we're trying to solve a mystery. Well, actually, we're not really trying to solve a mystery. What I want you to understand is that there is a mystery. What I want you to understand is that there is much uncertainty because I feel too many times pastors are guilty of substituting certainty at the expense of truth. And what I mean by that is this. They come to the Bible. If they're honest at all, they understand there's 10, 15, 20 different interpretations throughout church history, that there's much disagreement. And if they're honest with themselves, the text itself may not give you that certainty. The text itself may leave you with uncertainty, but never fear, pastor is here. And he stands behind the pulpit and is like, so many people struggle with this and there's so much confusion. And I don't know why, because it's actually very simple. And then he gives you what sounds like a very biblical, a very great argument. And you walk away going, man, that now I understand it. Now I can be certain. Now I understand it. But all you really did is you didn't understand it. You don't have certainty. All you were given was a a fraudulent feeling of certainty, not actual certainty, because the certainty is an illusion. Because if you'll be honest with what the text actually says and the reality of nobody seems to really know, then you would be left with a great sense of uncertainty. And you know what? That's okay. It's okay to stand behind a pulpit going, I don't know. I don't have the answer. Nobody has the answers. But you know what? We're going to look at every possible view. I'll tell you what one, which one I think. That's the way it should be approached. You should always be honest with all of the difficulties a text presents. But sometimes that doesn't happen in the church. And the reason I'm so emphasizing that point is because I'm trying to really make that point this morning in light of Revelation chapter 17 and 18. And yes, there is a mystery there. Let me read to you from Revelation chapter 17, verse 1. If you have a Bible, follow along. Now, this is part two of this discussion. So if you heard part one, you, you, pro, you already have a pretty good idea of what we're doing, but there's always new people tuning in. So I just want to make sure I present this so that everyone knows exactly what's going on. So here we go. Revelation chapter 17, verse one. I read, here we go. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials and talked with me saying unto me, come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Wow. I got to stop right there. There's something in verse two that just jumped off the page and just like, 
boom, 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 boom. Punch me in the face like five times. But we can't talk about it right now. But that, mm, there's something right there. Okay. We, we, this, may, this may lead to another podcast, but for now, we'll continue. That, that, there's something really interesting there, but I won't, I won't point it out. Verse three. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman. Now, this is the key. I saw a woman who sit, a, a woman sit upon a scarlet covered beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color. Uh, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints, with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. Now, the question is, how are we to understand who this Babylon is? How are we to identify this Babylon? What, what is your identification? What have you come up with? What is the identity you have given to Babylon? I bring this up because if you look in church history, you look to commentaries, you will find out there is a lot of different theories and a lot of different ideas. And in part one, we covered five possible views, one being very facetious and trying to make a point by being kind of ridiculous. But here are the ones we came up with, all right? At least according to one source, we could have come up with 10, 15, but here's one. Number one, that Babylon, the identity of this Babylon is that it is apostate Christendom or the apostate church. It's apostate Christendom or the apostate church. We went through all the possible reasons for, for, for going with that one, right? Number two, that Babylon here is actually code. It doesn't mean Babylon. It means the city of Rome, all right? Number three, Dallas, Texas. Now, the reason I included this, not only because the article I have includes it, I was going to include Las Vegas. But the point is, is you can find a lot of the things that describe Babylon, a lot of it's the things that describe it, and you could really apply it to lots of different cities. I mean, if you're going to make Babylon simply code for a different city, you really, your, your options are limitless. You could be plugging all kinds of cities in there, all right? Number four, Jerusalem. Some people say Babylon is, is code for Rome. Some people say Babylon is code for Jerusalem. And number five, Babylon means, well, I don't know, Babylon on the Euphrates River, actual city, Babylon, actual nation. Those are the five. So let's go through those again. It is the apostate, uh, apostate Christendom or the apostate church. Number two, it's Rome. Number three, it's Dallas, Texas. If I skipped Rome, I apologize. Dallas, Texas. Number four, it's Jerusalem. And number five, it is, well, Babylon um, on the Euphrates River. All right, those are the five. We've looked at those. Now, the reason we looked at those is just once again to demonstrate there's not so much certainty here as everyone pretends, that so many pastors pretend there is. There's lots of uncertainty, and that, that has to be understood and embraced. Now, the goal in this episode is very simple in part two. I'm going to introduce you to a series of podcast episodes on, well, 
this very subject, and you can find the podcast and you can listen to it now. There are lots of ways you can find it. If you go to oneplace.com, that's the, probably the easiest way to find it. If you go to oneplace.com, and the podcast that you're looking for is Real Life Radio with Jack Hibbs. Real Life Radio with Jack Hibbs. He has, has done a series of messages called that he is calling Identifying the Road to Babylon. Identifying the Road to Babylon. I would challenge you to go find that podcast, subscribe, and find those episodes. Now, you may have a problem. Now, you can download the One Place app, and it would be easy to find on there if you want to download the One Place app. Um, is it the One Place app? Let me let me verify. I want to make sure I can help you find this information. Give me one second here. I think if I go One Place, let me see here. One Place. Yeah, One Place Christian Radio. Yeah, there it is. One Place Christian Radio. If you if you download the app, which you should, I'll just download it right now. I haven't messed with it in a while. Okay, there we go. I'm installing it. One Place. I'll just see how easy it is to find. All right. If you download One Place, that's one O-N-E place, P-L-A-C-E, all run together, One Place. If you download the app, allow. Okay, I'm going to do a search. For real life, see, real life radio, that doesn't work. How about if I just type in Jack Hibbs? Okay, that's not working either. Okay, hang on. Let me see if I can find this. That you think it would be on the I know it's on one place. Their app is maybe garbage. Wow, let's see here. All right, yep, you can't search for it that way. That's that's pretty uh embarrassing. Let's see here. Okay, let's go to all ministries. If you go to all ministries, see if I can find it. If I scroll down all ministries, are these in any kind of order? I'm looking, no, no, that is weird. Okay, well, scratch that idea. Their app is complete garbage. I, I, I'm not trying to be mean, but it really is, that is, uh, yeah, okay. I'm going to delete the app. All right, so don't go to the One Place app. Bypass that. Let's do this. Okay. Uh, let's do this. I, I wonder, hang on, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the app store. I'm gonna do this. Real life radio. Yes, here we go. There we go. If you I'm gonna download the app. All right. Type in real life with Jack Hibbs. Real Life with Jack Hibbs. You can download the app that way. I'll explain why I'm taking all the time to do this. You may be like, this is taking way too long. No, it, it's not. Okay, here we go. All right. Um, see, media, real life radio. Okay. All right, here we go. I'm going to scroll down. There we go. Identifying the road to Babylon 1A. All right, so here's what you need to do. You can go to your app store, type in, in your app store of choice, Real Life with Jack Hibbs. 
Real Life with Jack Hibbs, right? Download the app. Once the app is downloaded, you'll go to the section called, where is it? You'll go to the section referred to as media, all right? The section labeled media. Once you click on media, go to Real Life Radio. You will have to scroll down a little bit, and then you'll see identifying the road to Babylon, um, and you can download, uh, well, you can listen to it. In fact, let me see here. I think you can just listen to it right here. Yeah, you can listen to it. Today on Real Life Radio. There you go. So that's how you find it. They, they, supposedly it's available on one place. I, um, I, in fact, I downloaded it from one place from their website, but for some weird reason, it's not on their app. So their app is a, is a mess. So avoid the one place app, okay? But download Real Life with Jack Hibbs. Download the app just for a couple of days because I want you to listen to his series on Revelation 17 and 18 where he offers his identity of Babylon. Now, I've already demonstrated to you there's multiple views, but I want you to just at least have access to this and that you can listen to it. Even if you don't have time to do extensive study, you can just go, okay, I'll, because each episode is like 20, 25 minutes. It's easy. And you can just knock out a couple of them and at least get a, a feel for his perspective. Not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong, but what we're going to do is at least review the first episode and at least give you an idea. I just thought it would add to our discussion on the subject, and I just like, well, I started listening to it this morning. I didn't finish it, so I'm going to finish it. Why not finish it with all of you? So are you ready? Jack Hibbs, he's a Calvary Chapel pastor. Clearly don't agree with all the theology of Calvary Chapel, but he's preaching on Revelation 17 through 18. Typically, Calvary Chapel, they do go verse by verse. That's one positive thing about them. Um, you could argue on, on, you know, their conclusions, but that's a whole different subject. But we're going to listen to what he has to say in regards to Babylon right here. We may review two of these, all right? We may review two of these, but I, I'm, I'm sorry it took so long to get there, but I want you to be able to find the, the information. Oh, and here's the reason I had to f- help you do this. If you go to certain podcast apps, it's really weird. Like if you go to Pocket Cast, and that's that's player FM. If I go to Pocket Cast and I uh, look up, um, let's see, hang on. I'm going to find him really quick. If I can find his, uh, there we go. If I go to his podcast, let me find it. I'm going to go Real Life Radio. I'm going to look for it on Pocket Cast. At least it was doing this this morning. Let me make sure. It's not still doing this because you may go, I'll just look for it on my podcast app of choice. Well, here's the problem. Um, The, when you go back, it stops at uh, at like July 5th, then it skips to May 13th. And there's all these missing episodes. Um, There's all these missing episodes. I don't know what's going on with their podcast feed, but it's all messed up. So you can't actually get to the first episode. So that's why I can't tell you to just look up Real Life Radio on all the different podcasting apps because at least on Pocket Cast, they're missing episodes. I don't know what's going on. Uh, that's the kind of thing that always worries me. That's why every day I'm always checking all the different podcast apps, looking at our podcast, going, are we missing any episodes? Is there anything wrong? Is everything working? I, I, I obsess over it constantly. But for them, they, someone's not checked or they, there's a problem. So that's why you have to download their app. All right. 
So you download their app, Real Life with Jack Hibbs. Scroll down until you find uh, the message. Let me go to it. Let me go to the message one more time. Um, Identifying the Road to Babylon 1A. Identifying the Road to Babylon 1A. All right? Okay, uh, Podbean clearly is missing uh, episodes. Okay, so Podbean is missing episodes as well. So there's something up with their RSS feed on the podcast apps. Don't know what's going on. Don't know what happened. But I identified that problem this morning um, because when I, I think when I started listening, it was like, I don't know, it was like episode two or like part two, part three. And I'm like, well, where's part one? So then I found part one. I think at one place, and then I'm like, okay, I'll download it from there, and then we'll talk about it today. So that there, I I know I'm going way overboard to give you all of that information. Some of you are like, I don't care. I'm not going to look it up. Just finish it. Okay, I understand. Stay calm. There's some people who want all the information. It's easier for me to do it in front of a microphone than to answer con- a, you know number of emails trying to give everyone the information. So now someone said they're ready. I'm ready. Let's review Jack Hibbs as he tries to identify the road to Babylon. And let's see how he handles a text that I've already demonstrated to you. There's much uncertainty. Let's see what he does with it. Here we go. Today on Real Life Radio. I would rather take the risk of teaching the full counsel of God this morning and have three of us show up next week than to have this church full of people that are being led astray by a very dangerous system. It all depends this morning if you are going to believe in God's word, the Bible, or the traditions of men. Welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's word, the Bible. On today's edition of Real Life. I have to laugh because the uh, to have like, you know, the whole voice intro there to edit that down. You got to have someone first who's going to edit, grab a part of your sermon, put it there. You got the music, you got the voiceover, you got the, the host, you know, giving you the information. And I, I, every time I hear that, I'm like, man, that, that, I think that would be cool to have. And then I realized just for our little cheap intro, our little cheap intro that does this. Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. That cost us, I believe, $25. I think it was $25, $25 or $30, and that was a discount. And 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 it costs so much per word. Like, like it's like a, I can't remember what it is. It's so much per word. And you don't think it's going to add up. And then you start writing out what you want them to say. And then you're like, whoa. That's like $100. Okay, never mind. Can you just say, welcome, and then I'll do the rest? Can you just do, can you like just say, welcome? And then, uh, so, but uh, it's just, so I think it's cool that they have that, but it's just, I know that, you know, that you've got to hire someone for all of that stuff and you got to have someone cut all that up. So it's really cool that they have it. I know you don't really care about any of that, but every time I hear it, I'm like, man, I wish we had a better intro, but I don't have, you know. The, the, the money. I don't, well, does it even matter? I wonder how many, what, what I started noticing is some podcast apps now give you the opportunity to skip all intros. So then I was like, whoa, wait a minute. 
if they're going to, if the podcast apps are now going to give people the ability to skip the intro, like on Netflix or someone, you know, you can skip the intro. Um, mm, I don't know if I'm going to pay the money for it if people are just going to skip it. So, so I, I think we'll just keep our little 13 second one and uh, go, go with it. So just, just some behind the scenes things that you probably don't care about, but I notice things like that. It is very well done. It is very professional and it kind of gets you like, Ooh, all right, I'm excited. Well, you know, that sounds so, all right, I'm ready to listen. Let's, let's continue with their intro. Radio. Pastor Jack now in a message called Identifying the Road to Babylon, Part 1, continues in his series called The Book of Revelation. We now come to chapters 17 and 18 where the past and the future come together. Babylon, a place described in the book of Genesis, is where man's first attempt to overthrow God began, and that attempt increases dramatically during the Great Tribulation. You see, the Apostle John is given a vision of Babylon that is clear to him. Babylon speaks not only of a city in rebellion against God, but a system, a system well known in John's day as it was known throughout the ages, an anti-God culture that in the future will spread worldwide. So today on this part of the message, Pastor Jack tells us that even throughout the New Testament, we're warned against spiritual deception and false religious systems. The spirit of the Antichrist is already here. That's the truth. And many not knowing that truth will follow its heresy. Now in his message called Identifying the Road to Babylon, Part 1. Here's pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs. I saw- okay, that seems to be hinting that he's going to approach Babylon as just maybe maybe symbolic of religious apostasy, of false doctrine, maybe, that we kind of go, maybe maybe with the apostate church that we already talked, or has he got a, does he have a separate view here that we did not cover in part one? We'll, we'll see. Let's see where he goes. A woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Verse 5, And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, drunk with the blood of Christians, and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. And the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman, of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they interesting that is an interesting verse because uh, in, in revelation 17:7 7, we didn't talk about this in the last episode but this is interesting uh, because the angel said uh, why are you marveling basically at this i'm going to tell you the mystery of the woman uh, the beast that thou sawest well that's the beast all right never mind was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. All right, I was going to go in a different direction. I was going to try to use it, for, but I think that that would probably be wrong. So I won't do that now. 
I'll think about it. Maybe, maybe I can make it work. Maybe we'll have to do another episode on it, but okay. Thinking and process. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I will keep the thinking inside the brain. I won't, I won't speak it currently. All right, let's continue. They see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Listen, five have fallen. One is and the other is not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short while. And the beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who will receive no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority from one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb and the lamb will overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Verse 15. And he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. That is the world. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. I love that part right there. Verse 18, And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. That's in the present tense, by the way, in the Greek. We'll get into that in later days. Just interesting. It does identify it as a city. So you think your arguments would have to be either it's the city of Babylon rebuilt. I don't know where you would say, I mean, it's no, it's not the city. It's the city represents apostate Christianity. I, I there, There's parts of me that likes that one, but I don't like the idea that no, Babylon is code for Rome or Babylon is code for Jerusalem or Babylon. I don't like that. I don't like the idea that it's a code for a different city. We, we looked at all the problems with that. But okay, well, let, let's, let's continue. Whatever kingdom John is seeing, he's absolutely in, marveling over. And the angel tells him, well, the power of this beast, the power of this image, the power of what it's meaning in regards to the city, it's enthroned now. This morning's message is entitled, Identifying the Road to Babylon. Identifying the Road to Babylon. And there are portions of the Bible, my friend, that we are often tempted to ask, what on earth did that mean when we read it? Okay. Now, I like this part, right? He's, he's acknowledging there's parts of the Bible that we're like, what in the world? What is going on? I like this. Now, my fear is he's going to be like, look, this, there's parts of the Bible that are so confusing and so difficult until you, well, listen to me or until you figure out the key and then it's all super easy and it's super simple. Now, I think that you have to just say there are parts of the Bible that are difficult and it is difficult and there's multiple views and it's hard to be dogmatic. I'm hoping that's the direction he's going to go. Look, this is really difficult. It's hard to be dogmatic. My fear is it's hard for everyone else, but never fear. I'm here and I make it easy. I, I, let, we'll see. We'll, 
Which direction do you think he's going to go? You can put in your predictions now. We're taking bets for the next 30 minutes, and you could win a thousand. I'm joking. We're not doing gambling here. It's just a joke, okay? I know. Now no one's laughing, and now people are offended, and it's just going to be met with silence. But I think it's funny. All right, here we go. Many times we can pick up the scriptures and say, what is this referring to? Well, here in Revelation chapter 17 and 18, we have the exact opposite happening. You say, Pastor, you've got to be kidding me with all the symbols and all of the weird, freaky things you just mentioned. Oh, my friend, quite the contrary. It's exactly clear. In fact, <laughs> it's exactly clear. There's been, I don't know, 9,000 possible options presented in church history, but it's exactly clear. See, I told, I, that's where, oh, it always happens that way. It always happens that way. When will the church stop that? It's okay to say, there's a lot of different views here, guys. And this is really hard to be, why can't we just, I don't understand why we're so afraid of that. And again, my fear is we substitute certainty for the truth. I know that's going to become the catchphrase for today. Write it on your refrigerator. Never be guilty of substituting certainty for the truth. Never be guilty of that. All right. Never be guilty of that. Ever. Never be guilty of that. Okay. I, I may give an example when this is over that I think is a good, I, I don't know if I'll give that example. Let, let's just see what he has to say. Ladies and gentlemen, listen carefully. It is so clear what is taught in Revelation chapter 17, so clear in history that churches have shied away from it. It is so clear that many, not all, thank God, many scholars will not pick it up and study it and expose it because of its deep infiltration. All right, so his argument is it's so clear that pastors won't teach it. It's so clear scholars won't study it. It's not because it's difficult. It's because it's so clear. This is an interesting approach. Hey, what we have in Revelation 17 is just absolutely clear, and it's so clear it scares everyone so they won't preach or teach it. That's an interesting approach. That Now, I, I don't like, again, he's just not acknowledging all the difficulties that have presented in church history, people trying to figure it out. We spent over an hour, an hour and eight minutes, trying to look at all the different views just in the last episode. So, but okay, here we go. Here we go. It's so clear. There should be any, we're going to get the answer. I'm assuming like right out, right out of the gate. He's going to like, it's clear. Here's the answer. It, it, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what is so clear. Here we go into the religious systems of the world. It is so clear that that's the problem with this Bible study today. It's so clear that if we begin now to understand what John is seeing, what John is hearing, it will shock us even in the 21st century for what we are speaking about has been alive since the very beginning. And I call it an it for a reason. It is insidious, it is sinister, and it means the destruction of souls since the beginning of souls, since the beginning of the Garden of Eden. It is a religious system that has been commandeered, or I could say, should say, engineered by Satan himself. It is so clear that chapter 17 unmasked things that we don't even want to entertain for fear.
I find it very interesting that some churches, are you listening right now? Some churches in this world refuse to study the book of Revelation. Not because of chapter 1, not because of chapter 2 or chapter 5 or chapter 11 or chapter 9, but for chapter 17. This is the very reason why there are certain so-called Christian groups, so-called churches that will not open the book of Revelation because its leaders know that if you do that, the people will eventually come to Revelation chapter 17 and will have to deal with its meaning. And they will not take that risk. Would be interesting if he could point to what churches he's referring to by name. It would be very interesting because if he could, then we could go look and go, you're right. They won't study Revelation 17. You're right. They avoid it. You're right. Now, a lot of times you hear these things and then you go look, you know, like they wrote an entire commentary on it. What are you talking? There's an entire sermon series. What are you talking about? So it's interesting that he's, he's very convinced that people will avoid Revelation simply because they don't want their people to read chapter 17. That if they see chapter 17, they're going to see, because it's so clear. It's so clear. And so he's not, he doesn't believe obviously Babylon is a city. He doesn't believe Babylon is the city, is Babylon uh, on the Euphrates, the actual city, the actual nation. He doesn't believe Babylon is Rome. He doesn't believe Babylon is Jerusalem. He doesn't believe Babylon is any city. So Babylon here is not a city. It's just using a city, it sounds like, to describe a religious system. So he may be going with the idea that it's apostate Christendom or the apostate church. Maybe that's the direction he's going. But again, he says it's clear. We've already seen it can't be that clear because there's been nothing but disagreement throughout church history on this. But okay, let's see. Does he identify? uh, I don't know. Let's just see where he goes rather take the risk of teaching the full counsel of God this morning and have three of us show up next week than to have this church full of people that are being led astray by a very dangerous system. It all depends this morning if you are going to believe in God's word, the Bible, or the traditions of men. I think he's going to identify Babylon as a Roman Catholic church. I think that's where we're going because if he's worried about people being offended, that would do it. That would do that would be the thing to do so. I think he's going to identify this as the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, so that's where he's going, not just the apostate church, but specifically the Roman Catholic Church. That that's where I, I now I, I've been taught that view. I see when we get went through our five views, I didn't even mention that view. I didn't even mention that view. Um but I was taught that view. That's a very common view. I was taught it in at least a number of Bible colleges and seminaries. That's a common view as well. But again, he's just like, no, there's no, he, he's not even entertaining any other possible interpretation. He's just going with one. All right, let's see if this is where it's going to go. In Revelation 17, we read it a moment ago. Can you just mark it down for a second? If you find yourself marveling at what is being said here, you're in good company. John said in Revelation 17, verses 6 and 7, I marveled with great amazement. That word means he was shocked. He was shocked at what he was seeing and what he was hearing. This is John the Apostle. He was shocked, but the angel said, verse 7, Why do you marvel? Can you hear that? What are you shocked about, John? 
What are you weirding out about? John, what are you, what are you so troubled by? The angel is speaking to John in a sarcasm. In other words, like this, John, you shouldn't be upset by what you're hearing. You should know from what's been revealed to you that this is the way it's going to go. John, what are you marveling about? Maybe Jesus would say this morning, church, what are you marveling about when you hear these things? And so John is marveling. He sees these tremendous symbols and all these strange things. And you say, yeah, they sure are strange. You know what? John has no problem understanding the symbolisms, the seven heads, the ten horns, the beast, and all this. What John, listen, everyone, what John is amazed about is what the woman on the beast, the system, turns and does. It turns and devours believers. That's what's got John shocked. He's not strange regarding the symbolisms. Neither will you be as we go through these studies. I tell you, if, if uh, you're just visiting, uh, I'm going to ask you to visit for about two more weeks and then you can go on your merry way. But you and I need to hear this message from the Bible. We need to have our eyes open and our hearts prepared. Let's pray right now that that would in fact happen. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that as we tread upon this holy ground of your wonderful word, Lord, we would ask right now that our hearts would be completely laid open before your Holy Spirit, that your Bible would come in like a flood and wash away the things that we have ensconced around our lives, built up as it were, monuments and icons and tokens of faith and lord you would sweep it away like in the days of noah and lord that you would cause us right now to experience true relationship with jesus christ and not any system true relationship with jesus and not any man-made institution true relationship with jesus christ for in him and him alone we have our hope and our faith for the bible tells us that if we have the son jesus christ we will be set free So, Lord, bless now the going forth of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, the background of this study is all important. and It will consume the bulk of our time together. It has been the passion, by the way, of nearly every biblical author to warn and to instruct against what is mentioned literally in Revelation 17. Can you jot that down? Every, nearly every biblical author of the Bible... From Abraham on to John and Revelation, just excluding a few, have warned about what's mentioned in Revelation 17. For what we speak about today is ancient. Okay, I, I, don't, I don't think he hasn't really identified it yet, right? Just every biblical writer warns against what we see in Revelation 17. All right, so... We're, we're going we're gonna to see. I don't. Maybe he's not going to go with the Roman Catholic Church. Maybe he's just going to go with apostate, false religion. Maybe if he does go with the Catholic Church, I pulled up from one. Of the, I, for those who don't know, I attended a Catholic university to pursue a degree in Catholic theology. Um, and uh, well, guess what? Well, we we talked about is the Catholic Church the whore of Babylon? So. It's not like it was never discussed or never brought up. I was like, you know, if some people like the Catholic Church, they won't let anyone read Revelation 17. They rip it out of their Bibles and you'll be excommunicated. Well, I studied it at a Catholic university for crying out loud. Okay, I, but all right. That, just sometimes, uh, one, of the reasons I, one of the reasons I pursued a degree in Catholic uh, theology was because I was tired of people saying things about Catholicism wasn't true. I reject Catholicism, but you should reject it on the basis of truth, not on the basis on the basis of ignorance. All right, but here we go.
And the Bible warns from Old Testament to New about the horrible, false religious system that it represents. And it is massive. And it is dangerous. In all but one of the books of the New Testament, it warns against the spiritual deception and the increasing of it that will go on in time. And you and I living now in the 21st century and the New Testament promises that such deceptions would grow worse and worse. Jot these verses down, please, if you would. There'll be six of them quickly. Second Corinthians eleven twenty six, Paul says regarding the ministry, it's been difficult. I've had difficulty in journeys often. This is an interesting, uh, just hermeneutical approach. Hey, this in Revelation, it's so clear that people are afraid to study it. So before I identify it, we're going to go look look at six passages elsewhere (laughs) to show you that everyone's warned about it. Okay. All right. I just seemed like you would first identify it. Then once you identify it, then you would go find the passages. Then we could look and see, do those passages actually warn against it? Because he's making the claim that what's in Revelation, that the the mystery of who this of of who Babylon is or how to identify Babylon is so clear that people are afraid of it. Well, then you think you would then say, here it is, just in a very succinct way. Here it is. Here is the definition. Babylon is da 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 da. da. Now we're gonna go. I'm gonna demonstrate to you how other biblical authors warned against this thing I just identified to you, but he hasn't identified it yet. But he's now going to go to other passages to give us scriptures that supposedly warn against it. I, I think, I, I don't know which direction he's going to go. It, it sounds like he's going to go, it just represents false teaching. But well, let's see, let's see. In perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of countrymen. Paul says in preaching the gospel, I've been in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city. I've been in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, and in perils, this is perhaps is the worst, among false believers. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty six, Paul warns that in the last days, certainly in his day, there's going to be a danger of false believers within the church. 2 John chapter 1, verse 7. That's 2 John chapter 1, verse 7. John says, many deceivers have gone out into the world. Church, do you believe that? Do you believe in the Bible? The Bible says there are many deceivers that are out there in the world. John said it 2,000 years ago. Guess what? The Bible warns us still. There's more now than there ever has been. Be very careful. Have you, not, have you picked up on a tune? Have you, have you picked up on a theme? It seems like it's made its way into every Wednesday night and every Sunday service of these last few months. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Have you been hearing that a lot here? Keep your eyes on Christ and on no man. Keep your eyes on Jesus and worship and pray to him and seek his face and no man. The Bible says confess to Christ and your sins will be forgiven and no man. Listen carefully as we go through this. A very dangerous age it is in which we live. Second Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 1 says, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord. That is not denying that Jesus existed, denying that he and he alone saves you from your sins. Who bought? So he's identifying Babylon as a false, false, basically the apostate church. View number one that we covered. He's going with the apostate church 
concept. Now, it's still like, so Babylon is not the city. It's not a city or it's a, it's false religion is described as, or, or is symbolized by a city. Okay. You, you can say whether it works. We, we talked about the strengths of that view. There are some very good arguments for this view. I gave a number of them in part one. Okay, but let, let's see if he, if he actually just dogmatically says this is what it is. Them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many people will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. The word here is altered. Peter says in the last days, there's going to be those coming upon the world scene that you and I live in who will be religious. They will impress you. They will impress me. They will have their names plastered around the world. And they'll even be in little villages in far distant lands, whatever it takes, because Satan deems every soul valuable. Did you hear what I said? Satan deems every soul valuable. How so? Because, listen, he cannot inflict any damage upon God. There's no comparison between Satan and God. Satan is not some grand God and the Lord is some grand God and they're warring it out in some sort of celestial battlefield. God is God and there's none like him. Satan is a fallen created angel. Michael is his match, by the way. Michael the archangel, you all know him, right? There's going to come a day when Michael is going to clean Lucifer's clock. It's going to be a good day. There's no comparison between Satan, Lucifer, and God Almighty. But this is how Satan can affect the heart of God. God loves you. Satan hates you. God wants you saved. Satan wants you lost. God wants your life to be blessed. Satan wants your life to be cursed. You're caught in the middle of this great tugging. Oh. On one hand, God is all powerful. Satan is no match. But God wants one thing, Satan wants another, and you're caught in the middle. How can I be caught in the middle if God is supreme? And like, I, ah, that almost makes them equal. Like they're, they're, we're in a cosmic battle. There's a cosmic chessboard. On one side is God, on the other side is Satan. And that you and I, we're the chess pieces, right? We're the knight, we're the bishop, we're the pawn, whatever we are, we're the knight, whatever. And we're just getting moved around as this cosmic struggle. He tried to argue against that. And then he fell right back into saying, God wants this, Satan wants this. God wants this, Satan wants this. And you're caught in the middle. That, hmm. Okay, I, I'm more, <laughs> woo, okay, I, I'm going to just let that go, let that go, because I just, I just want him to identify, I want him to give us his identity of Babylon. I think he has, I just don't know why he won't just say it clear, so, but I guess he doesn't need to say it because according to him, it's so clear, it's so clear, all right, let, I, we're waiting for it. And pull in whatever direction you lean, whatever direction you're going will determine. Now you think, well, man, I'm not worshiping Satan. I'm just, you know, doing this, that, and the other thing. And I think Jesus is cool. I just can't say he's exactly my Lord. My friend, listen, he's got you. Satan's got you on that path of deception. It doesn't matter if it's wrapped in religion. And I believe that most people in hell and going there are very religious people. I do believe that. I believe there's more religious people in hell than anybody else in all of the world. I think there's more religious people there than evolutionists. It's 
there's more religious people in hell than non-religious people. So where do non-religious people go? (laughs) Is he he playing the whole game that Christians love? Christianity is not a religion. It's it's a relationship. Uh, But it meets all the criteria of a religion. And doesn't James talk about pure religion? So that then that, that means that James would be referring to pure religion would be, well, I guess it would be Christianity, right? So... So if there's more religious people in hell than non-religious, that are so non-religious, there's a way for non-religious people not to go to hell? Uh, yeah, okay. So, all right. Yeah, and again, based on what information? That's a very good point. Maybe maybe there's a, 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 a census record. Is it a census? Yeah, when you take a census of how of the population of hell, does he get uh, like text updates? The number of people in hell are this. Like, because he would have to know who goes to hell. See that there's a this preach is good, but it raises questions. I mean, I've always stated this. I don't know. Maybe non-religious don't go to either heaven or hell. Good point. Uh, now that's true. It's an argument that most humans in general are religious. There, there is some truth to that. Yeah, that that. that Okay, I'm, I'm having some. I, I just want him to identify Babylon. That's all I want. And he's, he keeps he's keeps leading me to these problems where I'm gonna have. A seizure. Okay, just just come on, come on, come on, Jack. Just just get us. It's so clear. Just give us that because you're leading me to all kinds of other. You've created the cosmic battle chessboard argument. Now you're telling me you know who goes to hell and who doesn't go to hell. Okay, I, I just I, this is what I always say. I don't know. If you make a profession of faith in Christ and you're trusting in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation, then I'm going to treat you as a new person, in, a new person, in, a new creature in Christ. I'm going to see that in your position, the old is gone and all things are new. And I'm going to view you as a Christian. But I don't know. I don't know anything beyond that. I just know your outward profession. I don't know anything else. And neither do you and neither does Jack Hibbs. We don't know. It, we always love to say who goes to hell Salvation is this. You put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. You're trusting in his imputed righteousness. You're trusting in his sacrifice. When we start, we always like, we got like 15 different ways. So no, these people aren't saved. This is not saved. This is not saved. We we love trying to determine who does, but all right, let's just listen. I'm getting distracted. I I want him to just tell us who Babylon is. Here we go. Religion that leads men away. You know, the true definition of religion is man's attempt to reach God. God came down and met us. Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth, as we sing in the song. Okay, so he's playing that. Okay, that, that's the way he's going. See, if you're a Christian, you're not religious. Because religion is man's attempt to get to God, and Christianity is God coming to us. So therefore, Christianity is not a religion. Even though James refers to, in fact, let me find the verse um, because it's it's right there. I remember there was there was some there was some video that went viral um, on Facebook many many years ago. Some guy doing this like spoken word rap about how you know not religious. He's not religious because you know Christianity's not religion. Everybody's like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. You have to see it. What do you think about it? And I'm like, well, I, I and then I would quote this verse. Send James. Hang on. Just give me one second. It'll take me five seconds to find it. Uh, say, is it James 1, 26 through 27? 
Oh, hang on. I just messed it up. I think it's James 1. Let me look here. I think it's James 1. I think it's James 1, because I don't want to say something that's not, you know, true. Yes, James 1, verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious and brighteth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So when everyone was posting this spoken word rap, like, oh, this is great. This is so true. And I'm like, the Bible (laughs) refers... Obviously, James is saying this is what pure religion is. This is pure religion. So, is that saying that there's no that Christianity is not religion, or would it be identifying Christianity being a pure religion? And a religion is defined. Let's look at the, the the term religion. Religion definition. Religion is defined the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially a personal god or gods. Does Christianity? Does does Christianity hold to a belief in the worship of a supernatural power? Yes. A a personal God? Yes. All right. So therefore, Christianity is a religion. I I can't say I'm going to... No, religion is man's attempt to get to God. That's not how religion is defined. So clearly, Christianity would meet the classification of a religion. I I don't like when, when Christians play that little game. It's not a religion. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. Oh, okay. I got it. I got it. It preaches good, but what are you basing this off of? All right. I'm going to verify something that everything is good here. All right. Oh, true. That's a good point. Uh, also, when he talked about basically who's saved and not saved, he uh, he didn't say that you, you, you believe in Christ and trust in his righteousness. He just said, Jesus is the Lord of your life. So that's true. So how do you know you're saved? Jesus got to be Lord of your life. Well, what does it mean that Jesus is Lord of your life? Well, if he isn't Lord of all, he isn't Lord at all. Well, then how do I know if Jesus is Lord of every area of my life? Do I obey everything? Yeah, it gets back into that. I remember that as a young Christian being told that. If Jesus isn't Lord of all of your life, he isn't Lord at all. I even preached that as a young pastor because I, I was taught that. And then you start realizing, wait a minute. Who can honestly say Jesus is Lord of every area of your life? Because there's plenty of areas in your life and my life where we're still rebellious. We're still fighting for our own lordship. So, yeah, right. So there's a lot of issues with what's going on here. But I still want to just know, how does he identify Babylon? 1 John 4, 1. 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, that's you, all of you. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they be of God or not, because many false prophets have gone out into the world, and by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in flesh, that is human flesh, is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in human flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, of which you have heard was coming. And listen to what John says, puts hair on your back. I mean, I don't know if it puts hair on your back, but if you have hair on your back, it could cause it to stand up. (laughs) Now, I got away from the reverence of the punch there. Hang on a minute. He says that this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Gives you the jeebies, doesn't it? 
In John's day, he says, there's an antichrist coming. But the spirit of what that guy believes in and what he promotes, it's already here. It's been here. It's, it's already going through, as it were, a virus or a... a just please note, in John, First John is a polemic against Gnosticism. And so Antichrist, he's referring to Gnostic leaders. We, we identified some of those Gnostic leaders in our study of First John, and that he's referencing Gnosticism there. But okay, just, just so you know. I'm not saying there may not be a future implication, but it's first and foremost a polemic against Gnosticism of that time that the Apostle John was writing. And he had possibly met and even had conflict with some of the Gnostic leaders gas in the air it's like a vapor and people inhale it and they go into a spiritual stupor and they're led astray and deceived matthew chapter 24 verse 10 matthew 24 10 says that many will be offended this is jesus speaking many will be offended and will be betrayed by one another and will hate one another and many false prophets will arise and deceive many are you being deceived in the last days that jesus talked about Jesus was talking about prior to 70 AD. See why we spent that much time on Matthew 24? See why we did that class? We didn't do that because it was, uh, I wanted to waste your time. I wanted to do that. So when you hear a sermon like this, you're like, whoa, 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 time out, time out, time out. Matthew 24 there, that's talking about the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. He's referring to the false prophets. I'm not, the false prophets there. I'm not saying that we can't talk about the false teachers and false prophets that will be coming possibly in the future. But that specific reference there in Matthew 24 is, and we talked about it, can clearly be that he's referencing and giving them, the disciples, what's going to lead up to the destruction of the temple. So, okay. People in Matthew 24, I'll never, I'll never, under. and what's so funny is, hey, Revelation 17, it's so easy. It's, it's not even hard to figure out. And then he goes and completely rips a verse out of Matthew 24 right out of its context. But hey, Revelation 17 is easy, yet he's not identified Babylon yet. But maybe he's going to do it in the last, what, like four minutes we have left here? Here we go. How do you know? Because you know what? Somebody can open up the Bible and point to a verse and then tell you what this verse means and completely lead you astray. How do you think Satan's going to work most effectively? By incorrectly, by wrongly dividing the word of truth. That's how cults are born. Did you notice every cult that shows up at your door has got some form of a Bible in their hand? Don't you find that interesting? Satan is smart. And if somebody opens up their Bible at your doorstep and says, let me show you what's in the Bible. If you don't know the scripture and the chapter and the prophet that spoke it and where did Jesus say this and to whom, to what people and what was meant by this. For example, the Bible says when, when Jesus went into the Gentile regions, he saw a man and he spit on the ground and made clay and put it on the man's eyes. So if right now, if I took that verse and said, all right, bring in a dump truck, everyone. And you get, well, it's right here in the Bible. It says Jesus did be, did use dirt. Okay, now come on up here and let me spit on your face and put dirt in your eyes. And there you go. And if you, listen, you, you laugh and all make fun of that stuff, but that's what's happening in the world when people take the Bible, they're false prophets, and they say, well, after all, the Bible says, and they give you some absolute verse 
and its meaning is completely out of context, and you're led astray, and you say, well, after all, they use the Bible. Did not Satan use the Bible against Jesus Christ in the wilderness of temptation? Didn't he not? That's why the Bible says that we are to use the sword of the Spirit. I've said this before, it bears repeating. The word in Greek is makaira. The Roman soldier had two swords, the imperial broadsword. You've all seen that one. I am really perplexed. He, the whole, this is identifying the road to Babylon. He made it clear that it's so, he made it clear that it's so clear. And we're almost done. And we're, I don't think we're going to get this. So you're going to have to go listen to uh, part two on your own. And then you can report back to me. Here's his identity of Babylon. You can do that. And now if someone wants me to review part two, we will. But this is very frustrating because just come on, tell me. Because he's supposedly going to all of these other scriptures to show that they all warned about Babylon, but he's not yet identified. I, I guess he's. I guess in a way he has, but he's not been very specific yet. And we're all over the place. We're, we're all over the place. Um, okay, let, let's just finish. When Russell Crowe pulled it out, it was gigantic. It's about four, three and a half, four feet long. And the gladiator, man, when they get that baby going, they look like a helicopter moving. It's huge. Most of it is used for intimidation, crowd control, seriously. But when they got that thing going, the inertia of it, it's like a helicopter blade going. That thing's massive. But when you got into close face-to-face combat, you jettisoned your broadsword and you pulled out your Makaira. Your Makaira was a blade that's 18 inches in length. Why 18 inches? Because it doesn't matter how fat you are. Seriously, it doesn't matter how fat your opponent is. If you take that sword and you ram it in, remember, you're wrestling with the guy. You're down and you're up and you're down and you're up and you're wrestling and you're not looking. You're not swinging, you're not swinging a big sword. You're, you've got the Makaira. You... How, how did we get here? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so perplexed. How did we get here? Okay. I'm not trying to be critical, but how did we get here? I thought we were in Revelation 17 and it was so clear who Babylon was. I, I thought this was all about identifying that. And now we're, we're talking about taking a, a certain sword and stabbing someone who's overweight. I'm having, I'm, ha- I'm, uh, okay. All right. Let's, let's see how this ends. Take that thing and you're fighting, you're fighting all of a sudden, wham! And you don't have to look because all you have to do is ram it in all the way enough to where it hits the hilt. And if you feel it bottom out, your opponent will be dying soon. How do you know? Because it went in 18 inches. Makaira, 18 inches. The bo- that means you've hit a vital organ. They're going to be dying. They, they will not live long. Isn't it interesting the Bible says of itself that when you fight Satan, you are to not quote Genesis 1-1. Gosh, I'm being tempted. There's a, there's a naked man standing in my... I mean, I mean, that sounds so incredibly gross. As gross as... <laughs> but maybe that's because I'm a man. I don't know. The, there's a naked man and a naked woman standing at my doorstep. I don't know if that'd be a temptation to you or not. I think you'd throw up. But if they're standing there... What do you, oh, oh, I'm being tempted. Uh, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. My friend, you're just swinging the broadsword. It is the Bible, but it's wrong application. Did you hear that? Is it a wrong application? 
Genesis 1.1 tells me God is creator. And the fact that I'm reminded that God is creator, then I know that God, therefore, has sovereign rule over creation, and therefore, he establishes morality, not my feelings or desire. So is that a wrong application of Genesis 1.1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He is creator. He is sovereign. Therefore, he gets to make the rules. Therefore, morality would be found in him, not in us. Morality, right and wrong, would be determined by the creator, not the feelings that I have. Someone standing at my door, and let's say they're beautiful, and I'm like, whoa, okay, what's going on here? Okay, I've got a desire, okay? Maybe I'm going to just go ahead and invite them in, okay? I'm by myself. There's no one around. Okay, wait a minute. God is creator. God determines right and wrong, not what I feel, not what I want. Would that not be, is that, a, is that me just swinging around a broadsword and it's not, it's not sufficient? I, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you may agree with this and that's perfectly okay. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not here to argue with you. I'm just, I'm just throwing out my initial thought here. I was like, I don't know. I think Genesis 1-1 is the basis of everything. There is a God. He is creator. Therefore, he establishes morality. Morality is to be, purpose, morality is to be found in him, not in me, not in anything else, because there is a creator. Right? I, I, I've got a computer here. The, those who made the computer would know best for what should and shouldn't be done to the computer and with the computer, right? Shouldn't the one who made it be able to want to determine this is the right use and the wrong use. If God created me, does he not determine the right and correct use of my body and not me? No, I, I don't. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe the, my problem with, uh, that I struggle with sin is I keep misapplying scripture. I don't know. But I guess he's getting ready to give us the, 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 the sword that's 18 inches, inch, 18 inches that will stab right into the heart of the temptation and kill it. Maybe if I just had the right sword. All right, let, let's see what the right sword is. Here we go. Uh, Genesis 1-1 will not help you against temptation. <laughs> you need to go to the book of Corinthians, for example, and you need to quote that wonderful scripture where it says that God, who, when a temptation is brought upon me, is faithful to provide a way of escape. In the book of Romans, you can stand there and say the... All right, so God's going to provide a way of escape. That, okay, I'm, I'm not saying it's not helpful. I don't know. That may lead me a little bit of confusion. If I got, okay, she's standing at the front door. Okay, what's my way of escape here? How do I get out of this? Okay, I mean, I do. is that... I, I, I guess that's helpful. I mean, I'm not saying it's not helpful. Maybe it's more helpful than Genesis 1-1. I don't know. Who gets to say which one's more useful? I, I don't know. The book of Romans declares unto me that no sin shall have dominion over me. And you slam that door and run away and take a cold shower if you have to. But you use the Machaira, the sword of the spirit. And that's how you and I in these last days will be discerning the age and the times in which we live. Just because you go to a church, they've got a steeple or a cross or they got bells or, or, or whatever. It doesn't matter. Is the Bible going out and is it changing your life? And do you know how to use it? Okay. I, uh, well, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I mean, there, there's a lot, put it this way. I take that back. 
we could break down all of these things that he's talked about and have very important theological discussions. Like if we were sitting around a table right now, I'd be like, whoa, okay, I, we, we need to eat lunch and then we can spend the rest of the day talking about this sermon because we could spend all day talking about it. So I don't want, I, I, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm confused too, okay? But I, we, we could have a great conversation. So I want to make it clear that we could talk about it. So I don't want to be, I don't want to be overcritical, but my frustration is, wait, he was going to identify Revelation 17. He was going to give us who Babylon is. How do we identify Babylon? And we just spent, he just went so far and let it be very clear. I have been guilty of the exact same thing. So I don't sit here on some high pedestal that I've got it together. This is just a danger of preaching where you, you have this idea. And then all of a sudden you start thinking about this and thinking about this and thinking about this. And then all of a sudden you realize we're not in Kansas anymore. How did we how did we get here? How did we get here? Toto, how did we get here? Where, where, where's the yellow brick road? I need to get back home. Like, how? I, I don't know. I don't know. And, and, and I, I, I'm so confused. But I am very confused by that. So I guess we'll do this. I challenge you to download the app Real Life with Jack Hibbs. Find, now you'll have to find, let's see here. I'll find it for you. You'll have to find Identifying the Road to Babylon to see here, 1B, identifying the road to Babylon, 1B. We need to find, I, what do you think? I'll, I'll, I'll let you tell me. Should we review, <laughs> review it? If you want me to review it and analyze it, we will. If not, I just want you to listen to it because I want you to hear whatever he does with Babylon because my whole point in this this morning was this. Everyone says it's so simple. It's so easy right? But yet there are so many different views on how to identify Babylon. And what I want you to see is that so many times you've sat in church and the pastor has sold you certainty at the expense of truth. You, it, you, you say, I've got certainty. I know what to believe. But you, it costs you the truth to have that certainty. And certainty is never worth. Look, the cost of certainty can never be the truth. Certainty is not worth giving up truth. Truth, many cases, leaves you like, I don't really know what to do with Babylon in Revelation 17. It's okay to say that. I wanted you to hear his view, but well, we didn't get to his view. So, you can you can look, look, look listen to it. I would love to get your thoughts on his whole use of the sword. Like, the, is Genesis one one like did, did the verses he quote were they better than the ver, than Genesis one one and supposedly getting rid of temptation? I, I, I yeah, I am very confused by that. But all right, we'll stop there because we're an hour and ten minutes. So I'm sorry it took so long, but it was a little. Was it? I I guess was that fun? I guess it was fun. I, I don't know. Put it this way, I was going to be listening to it with or without you. So I. I was so gracious to include you in it. I know what you're thinking. Why did you do that? Because, well, I, I like that's, I, you know, I, I just like you to be a part of everything, right? I mean, like, do, do you not like that? Okay, maybe you don't. Maybe you do. All right, there you go. You can email me your thoughts about all of this. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Are you not glad that in part one, I did give you five possible views for, well, how to identify Babylon, because in a sermon that's supposed to be completely set up to identify Babylon, 
never even got around to doing so. Now, to be fair, it never got around to doing so because it was edited for radio, but you'd think they would have at least edited in the part where he said, here is Babylon. At least he would have thrown that in there at some point. And, but, well, we'll stop right there. And we'll see. We'll see what the responses are and what people want me to do. If you want me to uh, review the, the part two, I will. Just tell me and I'll make it happen sometime this afternoon. Right? Once again, I woke up. Who knew that today was going to be about Revelation 17? It's just crazy how – that's one of the things I love about podcasting because I never know what's going to happen from day to day. And uh, there you go. Well, we got to get to – we need to get to Second Kings 5 and Luke 10, but maybe we'll just spend – Part of the day on this. You tell me what you want me to do. Newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. For those on Church One, I know we lost connection at least for a minute. It seemed to turn right back on, so hopefully you didn't miss anything. If you did, um, this sermon will be uploaded to sermon, Sermons 2.0 in the Church One app in about 10 minutes. All right. So thank you for listening. Uh, for everyone else, this, will, this message will appear on all the podcasting apps, well, about five seconds after I'm done talking. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. Can't wait to get your feedback. God bless.